Welcome to the J Crypto Audio Experience. First off, thanks for coming. Second off, I want to congratulate you for investing in the education of blockchain, cryptocurrency, NFTs, decentralized finance, all those terms that when you first hear you go, what the hell does that mean? Blockchain is a technology shift, guys. Once in a lifetime opportunity. This is Malibu beachfront property, $1,000 per the acre. Now, to take advantage of it properly, you got to invest in that education. And that's what you're here for. That's what I'm here for. So let's learn together. What is up, guys? This is Jay Crypto once again. This is an exclusive podcast. I may post on my YouTube channel as well. So I had a very interesting thought and I just did a three part series of predictions, but I felt like that third episode was a little bit, a little bit off target. And I realized why I realized why. And the reason why is because I think we're going through a massive shift that I wanted to report on. And the massive shift is this balance of power. Okay. I believe that the balance of power used to be maybe between you know, religion, uh, government, and then basically the central banks. And I know that sounds interesting, but the reason why I think that there's this shift is because I think religion is getting a little bit switched and this is not, I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm just, I'm just kind of, uh, trying to talk about influence and, and I guess power or control a bit. And I I think religion's out of the picture. And I think actually what we're seeing is institutions. And the reason why I wanted to bring this to you guys is because it's important to kind of recognize and and acknowledge this, Um, especially when it comes to things like Bitcoin. So I heard a recent interview by Tiki Tawara, right? And uh, BitBoy, uh, Ben Armstrong. They were talking about Bitcoin. And the the main thing that people have been wondering for a very long time is all right will governments actually let this happen will governments seriously let this happen where they they actually let bitcoin okay uh take all the leverage away from their monetary policy and what we're seeing it now is a historical event being played out one of the greatest stories i think in monetary policy and history of this phenomenon bitcoin competing for the spot of being the top store of value and why it would take leverage away from governments well if you understand money and you understand the principles of money you could see how a currency like Bitcoin could potentially take away leverage from governments because if the people store the money in Bitcoin and they leave it there, okay, there's a few different principles or properties that Bitcoin has that's a little bit different than money. The first one is Bitcoin is more of an asset than it is a a currency. And if you view it as an asset and you say, okay, well, can I take, you know, $100,000 of fiat and leverage it, meaning take 50000 away from it and then pay back 
the the fiat. And though this wouldn't make sense on a few different levels, just bear with me. The truth is, if you do that, you're not really, you know, you're not really doing anything for yourself because the the fiat is probably already been taxed. So you already have to pay taxes on it, right? It doesn't really appreciate or depreciate. And there's, there's not really a huge point in doing that. But with something like a Bitcoin, which has a limited supply, and compared to the value of a dollar, you can use it as a continual bank as it appreciates and appreciates and appreciates, and you can leverage it. It's, um, it's far inferior. So with Bitcoin, what you can do is you can buy Bitcoin at 20,000, right? Let's say it goes to 500,000. Well, instead of selling your Bitcoin and paying taxes to the government, you can actually just leverage your Bitcoin. And this is only just one of the ways that Bitcoin takes away leverage from, you know, the government, let's call it. And when you, when you basically take $100,000 worth of your Bitcoin, okay, and so maybe 0.2 Bitcoin if it's at 600 grand, and you basically, you basically lock it up, okay, you pay interest on it. But you, in return, get about $50,000, so half the value of your Bitcoin in fiat. Well, now what happens is a few different functions. So the first function is obviously, boom, you don't have to pay taxes on that fiat, even though your initial investment was actually only $20,000. And the reason why is because currently, you don't get taxed on, on debt. So since you owe a platform, you know, uh, basically interest and uh, um, um, whatever the loan is, so $50,000 and interest to unlock your Bitcoin, you don't actually owe them any debt. And the reason why is because if Bitcoin drops, if the value of that 100000 drops to $49,000, they will actually just liquidate your Bitcoin. So you don't owe them anything, but you just made 30 k on a portion of your Bitcoin, not your full, because you still have the other $500,000 of Bitcoin. And if that depreciated at 50%, you would have $250,000, which is still way above your initial investment of $20,000, right? So it's, a, it's an incredible way long term to just not really pay the taxes. But um, it's also a way to do peer-to-peer, you know, uh, there's a lot of peer-to-peer action going on with Bitcoin that can take the government out of it. And I think that that's actually becoming less and less applicable because as Bitcoin gets adopted by the government and as Bitcoin becomes uh, easier to report to your accountant and things of that nature, then yeah, there's ways where the government will still be able to, I guess, tax you on any transactions of your Bitcoin. Okay. But if everyone were to use Bitcoin truly, then the the dollar or the fiat of a government, uh, the leverage of that monetary uh, element, if you will, would just decrease. And I'm sure you guys can imagine in the ways that it could do that. So the reason why I say institutions, government, and then central banks is that I think institutions have grown in influence and power. In fact, I would almost argue that some of the big tech companies 
I, I, I would say are not bound to the government. I think that we've even seen companies like Facebook and Twitter and Amazon able to do whatever they want. And though they get tested and frequently, you know, get sued and whatnot, they have so many quality lawyers. They have so much money and so much power that it's almost impossible to win against these guys in the court of law, even if they're wrong or right, depending on how you feel about that and what facts you use. They've grown so massive. And if you think about these companies, you got Facebook or Twitter, right? They got employees worldwide, so they're giving jobs to other governments. So some some places, it's in their vested interest for even if there's a lawsuit in the U.S. of a U.S.-based big tech company to interfere or to support the tech company because of how much revenue they're creating for a different government, which is really insane to think about that. So this is why I think this whole thing with Jack Dorsey and Elon Musk that just happened, where they're just going back and forth on Twitter. Jack Dorsey's created an event called the B Word, which is supposed to encourage institutions to onboard Bitcoin, embrace it, buy it, learn how to how to successfully implement it in their business models, learn about crypto and blockchain in general. And I think if you get if you get companies, because we already we've already seen you know certain companies like J.P. Morgan buy Bitcoin or or other or the Grayscale Trust and other massive old money institutions. So I think I think if you can get the corporate world and governments or just two out of the three to support Bitcoin, then it's going to be game over. And the reason why is because. If you have institutions and you have the banks, let's say, all supporting Bitcoin and it being in their best interest to keep Bitcoin going for a multitude of reasons, they have lawyers, they have money, they have power, they have influence. So even if the court of law, right, or governments wanted to ban it, well, these companies and these these banks have so much influence over the government that it would almost be an easy fight for the bank, for the you know the banks and the uh, institutions to battle with the government, whatever government it be. Or if you have governments and institutions, so if you have El Salvador running into issues with maybe the maybe some form of um, the banking system is you know aggressive towards El Salvador trying to. Uh, poke holes in the plan that El Salvador has set out to do, then institutions may come to the relief of El Salvador. Okay, so this is a very interesting dynamic because right now the balance of power, I believe, is being shifted. It's being shifted from uh, old religious institutions, which if you know your history, you can easily see why religion and I don't know, doesn't really matter what kind of religion you're from. I just I just would argue that religion historically has proved to have a lot of power and influence. Um, especially certain, you know, some of the bigger religions. I would say that institutions are beginning now to 
inhabit that third spot in the overarchical power structure. And the reason why is because they are now global, some of these companies. So if you just get two of them to accept Bitcoin, which we're seeing right now with, you know, every both sides of the aisle politically, really with the institutional side. So if you're political about a certain person, I mean, I wouldn't really worry about it because it seems almost like both sides of the aisle are supporting, you know, Bitcoin. Um, it's very interesting. It's a very interesting game that's being played macro. And maybe I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but I would I would argue that you're already seeing uh, potentially some of the mid-level banks that, yeah, sure, Bitcoin will grow their own demise if they don't change and adapt. However, the upside of getting Bitcoin now at a lower price and shaking out the retail investor, it's just incredible. So they're going to do it to make money right now. And institutions adopting Bitcoin as Michael Saylor and you see Jack Dorsey and you see you see all these different institutions starting to adopt crypto, blockchain, but more importantly, Bitcoin. Bitcoin is developing this army of highly influential, powerful infrastructures to battle on its behalf. And we all know Bitcoin isn't a company. So therefore, the lawyers and the CEOs of these powerful entities battling on Bitcoin's behalf almost gives Bitcoin this layer of protection, making it a more sound investment money and infrastructure to store your value in so it may be a rational you know thought a few years ago to think wow yeah governments could ban bitcoin or it could shut down bitcoin what's going to happen when this thing plays out but guys we're seeing this happen we're seeing governments adopt bitcoin we're seeing institutions adopt bitcoin and we're even seeing banks buy bitcoin though not every single one of the three, there's going to be governments like China that will suppress Bitcoin here and there. There's going to be banks like the central banks, which will poke holes in, in blockchain and Bitcoin and rewrite the rules. And there's going to be governments, I mean, institutions that may not support it just because it's going to aid to their own demise. But it almost seems like the dominoes are falling. And more and more every day, Another government, another institution, another bank is welcoming Bitcoin with open arms and saying, here, come on in. So I don't know what you guys think, but I wanted to give you guys this podcast as like a new and improved part three of three for Bitcoin alone. Um, so that's what I got for you. This is Jay Crypto. I'm out. Thanks so much for viewing. Take care.